Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Anna Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest. Your hermitage of the heart. Your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw on the wisdom of the saint and to saints to help us to navigate this difficult life. Today, we are going to focus on drawing on the wisdom of what would be known as the saint, the preeminent disciple of Jesus, which is his blessed mother. And we have a special guest uh, to help us navigate our uh, journey today. Who is that, Steph? We are so thrilled to welcome Father Edward Looney. He is a priest of the Diocese of Green Bay, the president of the Mariological Society of America, and an author of several books. He's also host of the podcast, How They Love Mary. So welcome, Father Looney. It's good to have you here. Well, it's great to be with all of you here on Divine Intimacy Radio. Awesome. Now you have a podcast and some resources. I just want to say it at the beginning, middle, and end. EdwardLooney.com. Is that the resource? Is that the page where they can find everything? I hope so. I am terrible at updating my website, okay. so but they should be able to find enough information there to to get them where they want where they want to be. And the podcast is called "How They Love Mary." Is that right? That's that's correct, and it's actually the title of the book as well. So uh, it's kind perfect. of a two for one. Perfect. Well, before we jump into the book, tell me, uh, give me some, uh, I don't know, cliff notes, triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, why it's so important. Uh, I really want to encourage folks to show up uh, next year. I mean, we don't have trouble filling these summits, but really want folks to learn more about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Yeah, well, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart all surrounds itself with uh, essentially the uh, apparition of Our Lady at Fatima, that Mary promised the children, in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. And there were lots of things kind of preambling that. The first would be, you know, pray the rosary every day for peace in the world to avoid further wars. That was also the request for the consecration of Russia to the immaculate heart. And then there was that promise, in the end, my heart will triumph. So right now we live in a time where we see a lot of immorality. It's given a lot of license. And we can lose hope. We can lose a lot of things uh, when we see all of it. We can become discouraged. But I think that's the great promise that in the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. And there are other alleged Marian apparitions that talk about kind of the illumination of conscience and how at one point people will come to know and to love God. And I think that's truly when the reign of the immaculate heart is going to take place, when we all become servants of Our Lady and uh, and followers of her son. That's really beautiful. It is beautiful. The The connection to Fatima, of course, is, is really important because to me, that message of hope is in contrast with some very difficult things that she said, right? What uh, do you find? I mean, that's to me the most important aspect of the triumph of her Immaculate Heart in terms of how it affects us theologically. Yeah, and one of the things too is I, I think we often think of the end of the world and when that's going to happen. And of course, St. Paul, when he wrote his letters, he thought that there was this imminent parousia that was going to take place, that Jesus was going to come back in his lifetime. All the apostles thought that. 
But of course, here we are over 2,000 years later, and we're waiting for the return of Jesus. So um, the triumph of the Immaculate Heart could take place literally in our lifetime, but I think it also has to take place individually in all of us so that when we have a devotion to Our Lady, when we allow her messages to reign in our heart and we follow them, well, then that's allowing her heart to triumph through us and in us. So that's another little aspect I think we should look at too with the triumph. Yeah, that's really beautiful. When um, I, I do some speaking here and there, and that's one of the things that has been really resonating with me that I've brought up is that I, I think part of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Our Lady is actually going to happen in the hearts of her people, and especially her, her, her women, her daughters. Um, as sin came through, you know, Eve, I think we're going to be, we're all going to be playing a part in that as Our Lady purifies us and returns us to who we're called to be. We're going to play a part in healing our families and healing our communities, our marriages, our, our children, you know, and ad infinitum, I think it's really going to play a part in that. And that's something St. Louis de Montfort writes about in True Devotion to Mary. He talks about that there will be this age of Mary and that all, that kind of, if you want to use militaristic language, that this army of Our Lady is going to rise up. And that's why it's so important that we band together and pray the rosary. And and uh, I know the Atlantic piece and, you know, they think the, the rosary is a weapon, but but the rosary sure is a weapon against evil, but it's an instrument of peace for the world and peace for our heart and souls as well. Very well said. You know, one of the things I like about this book and in your uh, your acknowledgments, you acknowledge Father Fred Miller, and he actually walked me off the cliff in my first uh, De Montfortian consecration because I'm I'm a convert from Protestantism, and uh, Mary, the the doctrines related to Mary were one of my biggest struggles. And so he helped me to put it in context. And he said, next year, do Maximilian Colby, you know, which was kind of, which is kind of funny. So now uh, we consecrate ourselves every year to the Blessed Mother. But uh, I think like the way that he helped me, which was explaining to me more fully the mystery, right? So I could intellectually align my mind with the truths of the church and then assent with faith and then act and live out that consecration. Your book, I think, will do in this why we had you on the show today is to talk about how they love mary 28 life story life-changing stories of devotion to our lady i believe your book could help people who maybe even struggle with her devotion with breakthrough because you quote so many you know great saints on on uh, her life and why we should have devotion to her yeah, they all have devotion to Our Lady, uh, the 28 people, and some of them are saints. Others are holy men and women that I think should be saints one day, but <laughs> they're they're not yet saints. Uh, it, it's a great book, I think, for people who are new to Marian devotion. Maybe they're like, I don't understand it all. And I think that's the value of the saints is that we can learn from them. We can see their example. They inspire us. I always love that phrase from Hebrews 12, that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And so that great cloud has to inspire us in, in our journey of faith. And that's exactly what they do. And uh, I was really inspired by uh, the, the name, How They Love Mary, came from a line that I began thinking about from an opening prayer for the Feast of St. Lawrence. It said, may we love what he loved. And I said, well, what did St. Lawrence love? 
And then I started looking at the other saints. I'm like, well, what did they love? Well, they love the Eucharist. They love Our Lady. They love the church. They love all of these different things. So um, yeah, I think that it can help anybody in their love for Our Lady. If it's a new a newbie to Marian devotion, or maybe someone who's been a lifelong devotee, but maybe they feel a little stagnant or stale in their Marian devotion, maybe it can be a refresher and give them a, a breath of fresh air. What? Wonderful. So you you chose 28 people to include in your book. How did you select these people? Because you said some are saints, some are, are saints in the making. So how'd you decide who to put in? Yeah. With the exception of Pope Francis, all of the people included in the book are deceased. So um, they're, he's the only living one. But I, what I wanted to do was in a sense, this was going to be kind of an autobiographical piece for me. So each one of these people have had some sort of influence in my life. Like the very first lesson that I talk about is St. Damien of Molokai. And what did his Marian devotion look like? Well, St. Damien is my birthday saint. Wow. So um, it just seemed natural to me. And I've always had a devotion. Like when I learned that St. Damien was my birthday saint, uh, I've had people send me medals of St. Damien from Hawaii that found me, you know, and heard me talk about St. Damien. So uh, that was one of the reasons why I included him. So each one of the people kind of have had some sort of influence as a saint in my life. Uh, I include some lesser known people, but uh, one of them was Mother Mary Francis. She was the poor Claire Abbess down in Roswell, New Mexico. Oh, gosh, what a connection to oh, all. What a connection. I grew oh. up in Roswell. My, oh, wow. I spent many, many hours out at the poor Claire's, and my parents have served them for years and years. Dad that is, is a very, very holy ground. Yeah, so keep rolling on that one. That's yeah, so I, I said mass for them last November. I wonder if I would have met your parents. I'm uh, sure. sure. Deacon Howard. Deacon Howard okay. was probably there. Yeah, it's my dad. Sure. So, uh, yeah, so I chose her because when I was in the seminary, they would put out books for us, you know, like they book recommendations or whatever in the library. And I saw this book for Advent, Come Lord Jesus, Meditations on Waiting. And I read that book and it was one of the best spiritual reflections that I've ever read. And then I read her, you know, Lenten reflections. So, you know, I thought someone like her, people need to meet her or um, I went to Conception Abbey for seminary for two years, and, and so there's a priest there, Father Lucas Etlin. He had a cause for canonization, kind of slowed down, doesn't it didn't really advance or anything like that. But um, I thought, well, let's introduce people to the monks of Conception Abbey then. Very cool. Very cool. So what you mentioned, uh, Mother Mary Francis had a big impact on you. As you're doing a book like this, I know, you know, you have a bunch of quotes and sources that you are, that are go to for you. But is there one uh, outside of the one you already shared? Is there one or two that really solidified your Marian spirituality? I'll just give one example of my own. My first book, uh, uh, Navigating the Interior Life, I found a quote, and I don't remember where who it's from. You do because it's in your book that everyone who becomes a saint has a devotion to Mary that affected me very deeply. So what's your, where are your, which stories are the greatest inspirations for you? Yeah. You know, the story of blessed Solanus Casey had a tremendous impact and especially right now in my life, uh, I've been reading the mystical city of God all year. I've been doing it as a little podcast, uh, kind of like in this, in the spirit of father, Michael Schmitz called the mystical city of God in your podcast. And 
really the reason why I wanted to do that was because when I learned of Solanus Casey's story, and my predecessor in the parish uh, was a Capuchin, and he worked and lived with Solanus Casey. So he instilled within the people of my parish a great devotion to Solanus. So Solanus gets beatified. I'm reading his biography in anticipation of that to write a piece about him. And I was really struck by a few things. The first was he was in a hospital. He was going to have his leg amputated. And my mother was a severe diabetic, had toes amputated. I knew her leg was next. And so I said in my mind, I'm like, well, Solanus, he, he you know, was almost an amputee. He ended up not having his leg amputated. But I thought to myself, well, he needs to be my mother's intercessor. So every day I started asking Solanus to pray for my mother. And then uh, as I kept reading the biography, I found out that he would recommend the mystical city of God to people to read. And if you go to the Solanus Casey Center in Detroit, they have a copy of the mystical city of God, one of the copies he gave to someone that he wrote a little note in. And basically he would say, I will pray, you pray, and you read this. Sometimes people would come back and they'd be like, well, why isn't so-and-so getting better? Well, he'd ask, did you read from the mystical city of God? They would say, no, no. So he said, read from the mystical city of God. So I would say that's one of the most profound ones, like so being so you, inspired. Let's, let's stop you there. I'm sorry to cut you off because I love your enthusiasm. We, uh, we have to go to a break. When we come back, I want you to just keep that thought and keep rolling because it's, it's fascinating. We'll be right back. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles in the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. Love this subject, which is so strange. I had so much trouble uh, with Mary coming into this church. I ended up writing a best-selling book called The Contemplative Rosary uh, about her devotion to her. And uh, so we've got it. We've got a, a, I would say, a world-class expert on on Mary and uh, devotion to Mary, Father Edward Looney with his great book, How Do They Love Mary? So, Father, I hated cutting you off for the break because I love your enthusiasm, but keep rolling with what you were what you were talking about. Yeah, I was talking about Solanus Casey. And uh, essentially, after I learned his promotion of the mystical city of God, every day then, while I prayed for my mother, uh, usually at night, I would say a little prayer, you know, dear Father Solanus, please pray for my mother that she'll never have her leg amputated in this life. And so then I would read a page from the mystical city of God. Well, I got to about page 245 and then my mother passed away, which mm. I saw as an answered prayer, but uh, I never finished it. And so I thought to myself, I owe this to Solanus. I really want to read the mystical city of God. I talked to a few of my friends 
Uh, and I, I pitched the idea to them and they're like, well, we've wanted to reread it or read it for the first time. So if you do this, we're going to follow along. And uh, so every day now, I've been reading for the Mystical City of God for about 20 minutes. It's a four volume over 2,500 page work. It's an arduous task, but uh, it's been spiritually beneficial for me. And uh, I know it's making a difference in my soul. I don't, I can't articulate it all that well, but I just know that I'm different because I'm reading it. God be praised. And it's interesting because I was just looking at it. I have it on my shelf. I have a little, I have a shelf in my library that's all um, dedicated to Our Lady. And that's right there in front of me. And I looked at it the other day, kind of stared at it, and I thought, you know, I should break that open. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> this is my nudge. Well, let me ask you, besides the rosary, because we've talked about, you know, the contemplative rosary that Dan and um, Connie Rossini wrote. Great book. It's, and we even have an app for it. We do. Um, it's beautiful. I love our app. So what are, besides the rosary, what are some other forms of Marian devotion that you could um, school us on? Yeah, you know, uh, actually connected with the rosary, I suppose you could say like uh, for 50, for the 54 day rosary novena from August 15th to October 7th, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, I've just been doing a social media rosary with followers. And uh, yesterday it was windy here. I usually do it from our grotto at my parish. We have a very beautiful grotto, uh, a historical marker. And uh, because it was so windy, I did it inside, but I had this lady from the Philippines come by earlier in the morning. She's a parishioner. She just got back from the Philippines. She brought me like this two foot, two foot uh, tall statue of our lady from one of the Marian shrines down in the Philippines. And I prayed the rosary yesterday before that image. So that's something that I noticed uh, in a lot of the stories of the holy men and women Father Lucas Atlin, who I referenced earlier, Father uh, Patch or Father Pate. Father Peyton, he also uh, had a statue of Our Lady. You know, the statues of Our Lady, uh, St. Therese was miraculously healed by a statue that came to life and smiled at her. So the statues, I think having the presence of Our Lady is, is tremendous. And uh, to have that holy reminder, as Mother Angelica would always say, and that when we look at a crucifix, we remember Jesus died for us. Maybe we pray Christ crucified have mercy on me. And when we see a statue of Our Lady, maybe you call upon Our Lady, pray for me, Blessed Mother. Uh, so I think that's a strong invitation to prayer. Uh, the scapular, of course, is another uh, uh, sacramental. Um, there's spiritual reading that we can do, like I mentioned with uh, Solanus Casey and reading that the mystical city of God. But um, there, there are great saints like St. Saint Francis de Sales who wrote homilies about the Blessed Mother. There's a volume of sermons on our lady that he wrote that's published by tan books and and those those are opportunities i think to to delve deeper into marian devotion too there's there's so many different ways beside the rosary that we can express a marian devotion and fervor in our own life and there's a great book we we have a guest on today who's talking about a great book just about that it's uh, father edward looney uh, how they love mary 28 life changing stories of devotion to Our Lady, you can get that out at spiritualdirection.com forward slash shop, published by the great Sophia Institute Press. And I was going to add one more devotion, and that's going on pilgrimage. Oh, big. Oh, that, definitely. That is huge. That has been incredible, life-changing life for, for us me. and our, those who come. Right. You know, it's it's been incredible. I, I want to come up to the shrine up there in Green Bay. Um, oh, I've been there. It's really, it's really fantastic. Yeah, I haven't. So tell us a, a little bit about that, Father. 
Yeah. So going on pilgrimage is really significant. Lots of people have gone on Marian pilgrimages. Fulton Sheen, I think, you know, he went to Lourdes so many times. He went to Fatima so many times. Mother Angelica actually went to Akita, Japan uh, yeah. after her stroke, you know, and wow. she she went to Lourdes. So um, pilgrimage is important. And right here in Wisconsin. So we talk about pilgrimage. You're leading that pilgrimage to uh, Carmelite, Spain. I was just in Avila earlier this year when I was in Spain. because I amazing? went to. Yeah, it was beautiful. Amazing. Uh, And then I said uh, mass at the tomb of St. Teresa of Avila in Mm. whatever that town was. But that's the town name. And uh, yeah, so uh, we can go across the pond, but we can also come right here to shrines in the United States. There's a Marian apparition champion uh, and right outside of Green Bay where Our Lady appeared in 1859 as the Queen of Heaven and told the visionary Adele to pray for the conversion of sinners offer her Holy Communion for that intention, to make a general confession, then to gather the children, teach them what they need to know for salvation. It's a very simple message. The shrine was spared from a a, a torrential fire, you could call it, like a fire tornado that began burning on the very eve of the anniversary of the apparition, devastated hundreds upon hundreds of acres of land, but yet the shrine stood there amidst a sea of, of ash as an Emerald Island, uh, as mm-hmm. one person commented. So uh, it's a story that's rich with lots of different healings and miracles that still happen to the present day. So that's a, a place you can come to the United States. Wherever you live, there's probably a Marian shrine. Where I live in Wisconsin, of course, I live 20 minutes from Champion, but we have the shrine to Holy Hill, a Carmelite uh, yeah, basilica outside of Milwaukee. There's that's the shrine amazing. of Our Lady of Guadalupe and La Crosse. But yeah. there are shrines all across the United States. Wherever you go, you can find a shrine to the Blessed Mother. I'm sure of it. And you, uh, should, so, you should go annually, really, and, and yeah. with, with a specific intention to pray. But I love your uh, enthusiasm. My favorite shrine in the United States is Our Lady of La Leche down there in Florida. Yeah, uh, we've been there. And, and been there, too. It's known as a place where couples who struggle to conceive, they pray for that grace of fertility. And Mm. I've taken intentions there. Like I'll post on social media, who would you like me to pray for? I'm in St. Augustine. And I I just received an email last week from someone that said, you prayed for us and now we just had our child baptized and we're told we never have children. So um, I love getting those little grace reports. So a visit to a shrine can be efficacious for your soul and also just for your intercessory prayer as well. Last question I want to ask you, and we may have a little more time for another one, but it's complex. So it's, it's related to additional devotions that we learn from people like you've written about in your book, How They Love Mary. But I've prayed Exilium Christianorum for years, Mary, you know, Mary Help of Christians. And in that, there's a prayer, the opening prayer has Mary purifying our prayers to God as we pray the devotion. Where does that, do you know where that tradition comes from? And can you talk a little bit about how she can purify our prayers? I've been, began praying that at Mass naturally, at the last few Masses I've went, gone to, Lord Mary, please purify my intentions in my heart in this Mass. Well, admittedly, I don't know about that devotion. I think this is the second time you've told me about it, which is probably the invitation to learn more about it, maybe (laughs) begin praying it myself. But that whole notion of Mary purifying our prayers, because she is the Immaculate Conception, she's without sin. And so she is favorable before God. Now, we we have sin, and so she can join her prayers to ours and, and then present them to her son. 
just as she at, at Cana, that yes. wonderful story of turning water into wine that Jesus did while it was at her request. And so um, I, I think really this, this notion, not only just her purifying our prayers, amplifying them, uh, it, it affects or maybe talks a little bit about her mediation of grace, that God has given her this role in history. And one of the things that you just look at history, you look at all the different times that people have called out to Our Lady and they've experienced grace, like the Battle of Lepanto is one. Some people don't like referring to military battles, but uh, but that was one where the people joined in prayer of the rosary and a success was given to them. Uh, but you go to any shrine when you're in Spain, they'll have little mementos on the walls oh, yeah. saying, you know, in remembrance of my healing or whatever. And, and people have prayed to Our Lady and it works. And that's because God has given this to us as she is our spiritual mother and so she is the one to make intercession for us. And uh, and he wishes to give us grace through her hands because she was the fullness of grace. One of the um, devotions that just came to mind as you were speaking was the one in Italy where on the on street corners, on the building, they they incorporate a, incorporate um, a little um, shrine, a yep. little statue. There's a there's a little altar and they have a statue of our lady and. Uh, relief where she set in yeah. right it's set in into the corner of the buildings and it is such a beautiful devotion because you're walking down the streets you're in modern you know full-on modernity everywhere you know all kinds of different colors shapes and styles and everything and then you look up and there's our lady and it's this reminder of i'm with you you know i haven't left my people call to me pray to me you know so it's just really beautiful one minute. and i a Catholic can see that uh, a non a non Christian, a Muslim, someone else could see that. Uh, any Christian, they're just reminded. It's a great reminder in the world that well, here is the Mother of God, and she loves you, and she prays for you, whether you like it or know it. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Right. That's awesome. So, Father Edward Looney, how they love Mary. Twenty eight life changing stories of devotion to our La Our Lady. Sophia Institute Press. EdwardLooney.com is up on the screen for live stream folks. And uh, you can also find his works at EWTN's religious catalog. I always support EWTN because when you do, two amazing things happen. Like if you ordered this book from EWTN, the one thing that would happen would be really good is you'd actually get the book. The second thing that would happen is that you're helping them in their great ministry. They allow us to do the show uh, every week all over the world and we're grateful to them. Grateful to Father Looney, who obviously has been affected by the Blessed Mother because he's a priest filled with joy and energy and uh, an obvious movement of God in him. So pick up the book, read it. You will be blessed. And with that, we are out of time. Okay. So until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord. Jesus Christ. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.